Father in heaven, we come to you right now. And Lord, I know that I am unworthy on my own. I know that on my own I'm also unable. So Father, in these moments, in this place, on Resurrection Sunday, Holy Spirit, would you speak to each of our hearts? Would you minister to us through your word? As your word is read and taught and proclaimed, would you add your blessing to it that we might grow in you, that we might mature as believers? Lord, if there are those here who don't know you, that they might be drawn to trust and believe in you as Lord and Savior. Father, your word is capable of moving in our hearts and lives in ways that encourage us, in ways that comfort us, also in ways that challenge us and convict us. Father, that's not something that I can do. Only you can do that. So we ask this morning that you would move among us. That you would give those who need hope, hope. Lord, and those of us who need encouragement, encouragement. Those of us who need chastisement and correction. It's not easy, Lord, but Father, please correct us, challenge us. Father, we ask all these things would take place by the power of the Holy Spirit through the reading, the teaching, the proclamation of your word. We ask all this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In our sermon series going through the Lenten season, there's a season of Lent that begins 40 days prior to today. And that season, traditionally throughout church history, has been a time of preparation, of preparing our hearts, preparing our minds for Easter. And so for the last six weeks, we've been looking at various statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John where he takes on the very name of God. He uses a construction in his grammar, in the way that he speaks, that unmistakably ties him to the name that God gives to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. And so today we come to the last of those I am statements followed by a metaphor where he describes more about what his identity is, about who he is, so that we can understand who the Savior was and who the Savior is. Before we turn to John chapter 15, though, I would be remiss if we kind of glazed past the fact that this is Easter Sunday. And I like to call it Resurrection Sunday because this is the Sunday. That some 2,000 years ago, they found that the tomb was empty. These verses that we will read in John chapter 15, Jesus is speaking in a very intimate way to his disciples before he is crucified. But this morning we celebrate that not only was he crucified on our behalf, but he was raised from the dead. And for thousands of years, the church has said to one another, On Resurrection Sunday, the refrain, Christ is risen, and the congregation responds with, He is risen indeed. So this morning, before we dive into God's Word, I just want us to assure one another of the bedrock truth of why we've gathered today. And I want to say, Christ is risen. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to John chapter 15. John 
chapter 15, working our way through these I am statements. We will read verses 1 through verse 17. I will read for us. And whether you are accessing the text in a printed edition or a digital edition, if you need a copy of God's Word, feel free to borrow one from the back of the pew there in front of you. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, please take that one and just let it be yours and count it as a gift from Bethany to you. But however you might be accessing the Word of the Lord, I would ask if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's Holy Word. I will read verses 1 through 17. When I've completed, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. I encourage you to respond with a hearty thanks be to God. John chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be more fruitful. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you. So that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. These I am statements are powerful. And the fact that Jesus is making that he is making the statement that he is one with God. 
that Jesus is God, that statement is unmistakable in each one of the I am statements. Each one is also followed by a metaphor. We started off in John chapter 6. And in John chapter 6, Jesus told the crowds that he indeed was and is the bread of life. When they saw manna come down in the wilderness, they said they called it, what is it in Hebrew? That's the same confusion that they had when Jesus came down. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know what he was. But Jesus was and is and forever will be the bread of life. He's what we need to have our daily needs met for life. Not only is he the bread of life, he's the light of the world. And then not only does he say he's the light of the world, but if we are in him, then we are the light of the world. And so Jesus tells us in John 8, he is the light of the world. Just as Jason read for us, that the light has shined into the darkness. And the darkness has not and will not overcome it. He's the door of the sheep. The only way into or out of the flock of God is through the door who is Jesus. We talked about shepherds who were out in the field and they would make a makeshift sheepfold and they themselves would sit at the only entrance and they would become the door. And so Jesus is the door of the sheep. And then he continues in John 10 in that same chapter and says he's the good shepherd. He's not some hired hand that when a wolf or a bear or a lion or whatever comes along and tries to snatch away one of the sheep that he runs and hides. He's the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. He's the good shepherd that would leave 99 safe and well cared for in the pen and go find the one lost sheep. He is the resurrection and the life. He can say that he's the resurrection. Not that just it's some event coming in the future, but what we celebrate today proves He is the resurrection. He embodies what it means to be resurrected. There were a lot of people in Scripture, well, not a lot, a handful of people in Scripture who had raised other people from the dead. But there has never been anyone in all of human history other than Jesus Christ to die and raise themselves from the dead. Now, Elijah may have laid over somebody and prayed and God brought him back to life. Elisha may have done the same. Jesus may have brought other people back to life. If you'll remember, there was a widow who was carrying, they were carrying her son and Jesus bumped into the casket. And when Jesus bumped into death, death gave up and the little boy just sat up out of the casket and said, hey, what are we doing? Because when death runs into Jesus, death runs away scared. And so Jesus, the very person who is resurrection, died and then said, eh, been three days, kind of tired of this whole death thing, busts the door of the tomb open. Not because he needed a way out, but so that we could see in to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, he is the resurrection and the life. And then as he is talking in John chapter 14, he says that he is the way, the truth, And the life. It's not like in the language Jesus is speaking that that's the only way to say it. Jesus could have said, I am a way. I'm one of many truths. I am one of the possibilities of how to get life. But that's not what Jesus says. He is the only way. The only truth. The only life. Nobody goes to the Father except through Him. And then we also... Talked about in each of these metaphors, it shows up three different times, the word life. If you want life, life to the full, 
true, meaningful life. Not some existence, not some going through the motions, but life, eternal and full life that is satisfying. The only way to know life is to have the bread of life. The only way to experience true life after death is to know the resurrection and the life. The only way to live a full life now is to live following the way and the truth and the life. And so we come to the vine. And you know, i got to be honest with you guys. It seems like you kind of go downhill almost, doesn't it? I I love the bread of life. That's great. But we talked about this with the door. It's like the bread, the light, the resurrection, the way, the truth, the life. Woo! I'm a door. It just doesn't have the same pop to it, right? Well, today, Jesus says to his disciples, in the chronological order of what's happened, he's just speaking to the disciples minus Judas. These are the closest of close people to him. His betrayer is not even with him when he says this, because earlier in John, he already told Judas to go do what you got to do, man. Judas left, so this is an intimate talk. And Jesus looks at him, and you're thinking, okay, this is the halftime speech, right? I know we're down, boys. I know it seems rough. I know the Sanhedrin's looking for us. I know that Judas is already going to betray us. But I want you to know we're going to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and we're going to win this game. Who's ready to go back out there? And they all charge back out on the field. And Jesus gets ready for his halftime speech and he says, Hey guys, I'm the vine. Did you say you're divine, Jesus? No, no, I am that. But I am the vine. Power. A vine. Jesus is a vine. This is a vine. This is a muscadine vine. I like because you get rhymes, you know. If you can make a rhyme with a vine, you're doing just fine, right? Amen. This is a vine. Jesus. Woo! I'm the vine. Man, is anybody else ready to charge to the gates of Hades with a water pistol? He's the vine, right? Woo! Yeah, but see, it's not about that. It's not about getting them excited because he's about to die. It's about the fact that he's about to die and be resurrected. And then he's going to hang out for a little over a month. And then he's going to ascend and go to the Father. And when he does, they're going to feel like he's not with them anymore. How many of you shook Jesus' hand this morning and thanked him for dying for you? Did you reach out there and grab Jesus by the hand because he showed up in your room? If you grabbed Jesus by the hand this morning and shook his hand, I just want to see you after the service for a brief moment. Just a few questions I've got for you. No big deal. Just want to just if he showed up like that for you, I just I want to talk to you for just a minute. Anybody? He show up and shake your hand physically like in person. So how how do we know he's with us? How do we know that when Jesus left, that wasn't it? How do we know what we're to do next? He tells us because he says, I'm the vine. We've got a little stick right here that holds this thing up because it helps it grow. And then you can make lattice work. And I know you guys have seen it. People have muscadine vines all over the place. And they have their little pergolas and things built. And the vines grow over the top. And you've got a stem and, a, and, a, and a, a trunk. You know, not like a huge tree trunk. But it comes up right through here. And, you know, if you guys could get real close, you, you can't. But... You can already see there's little buds on here. There's, there's little muscadines already growing. We can't grow grapes down here in the south. I tried to find a grapevine. 
And then at the Blue Goose Garden Center, they laughed at me. Have you ever gone to a garden center and you're so oblivious and so ignorant? You say, hey, I got a sermon I'm about to prep for, and I want to, I want to bring a vine because Jesus says he's the vine. Y'all got any grape vines? Yeah, don't do that in the South. You, you can't, apparently, they don't grow. You just can't do that. It doesn't work. It's too humid. It's too hot. Who would have thought, right? But these little muscadines, they'll grow. They'll grow down here. Southern grapes, right? They're already there. They're already here. But I just wonder, what happens if I take some scissors and let's see, where are some that are budding? Oh, just, oh, right here. This is a good one. Boop. All right. I got me some muscadines. Look, there they are. You can see them. Ooh, they're pretty. They're pretty. Look at them. They're, they're, they're going to do great, right? I got them. I got them with me. And, and, and they're, they're separate from the vine now, but they're still, they're, they're connected and they're going to do fine. Honestly, I'm just going to leave them here till next Sunday. And then once they're full and ripe from laying right there, I'm going to just hand them out to the people on the front row. So in, in a week or two, just, you get your free muscadine if you just show up right here on the front row, right? No. I know this is an oversimplification, but something this simple, it's that easy to stay with Jesus. Just stay connected to the vine. How do you know he's with you? Because all these other muscadines, when I take this home and I put it in the ground, aside from the fact that I have no green thumbs, by God's grace, it will continue to grow. This stem, this, this trunk, this vine will draw all the nutrients that it needs from the soil. And it will send it out into all of the branches. And all of the branches will have everything that they'll need. They'll have the bread of life. They'll have light from the sun. The light of the world, if you will. And they'll grow and they'll flourish because they're connected to the vine. Because they're connected to the stem. Because that's where all the nutrients and everything they need comes from. They'll have everything and they'll grow and they'll bear fruit. And then they'll go through a season and come back around and they'll bear more fruit. And then they'll go through a season and come back around and they'll bear more fruit. Because they're connected to the vine. And you're like, okay, I get it. This is, this is beyond simple. If it's that simple, how do we miss it in our spiritual walk? Jesus is the vine. He's everything that we need. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the good shepherd that makes sure that we've got green pastures and clean streams and water flowing. He takes us to the upper places where it's cooler when it's too hot. He takes us down into the valley when it gets too cold. He prepares a table before us, even in the presence of our enemies, says Psalm 23. He's everything we need. And if we believe in him, this life is not the end. This life is just barely the beginning and then we will live for eons and eons because he's the resurrection and the life. Because today of all days, we know that the tomb was empty. And yet for some reason, we insist on living our lives like this. This is you and me. You're this little branch. I'm this little branch. How's this branch going to do over there? What do you think that branch is saying about the vine right now? Where'd Jesus go? I don't feel him in my life. I don't know what to, Maybe this whole Jesus thing ain't even real. 
I don't even, I'm not, I'm not sure what's real anymore. Is the Bible real? Can I trust it? Should I even go to church? Why waste my time? I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I just feel so empty inside. I didn't think Christians were supposed to feel this way. Jesus left and now there's nothing. But Jesus said, I'm the vine. And if you stay, if you abide, if you remain in me, you'll have all you need. But for some reason, we think that this will work. And we just cut ourselves off, throw ourselves down into the ground, mess up the drums. And we think for some reason we can live and thrive on our own. I'll go start a new vine. I'll just go plant this in the ground somewhere and it'll turn out just fine. Maybe. Maybe. You know what else is sad? Is that this analogy, every analogy breaks down at some point in time. But if I cut off enough of these, I already had Kenny Grissett tell me this this morning. And since it came from Kenny and it's about gardening and planting and stuff, you know it's accurate. Kenny said, now look, preacher, don't you go hacking on all them vines. Don't you go hacking on all them branches. That thing's starting to sap right now. And if you cut off too many of them, it'll bleed to death. And I was like, Kenny don't even know I'm about to use that. Because not only do we think we can cut ourselves off, and it only affects us, but it affects the rest of the branches. You think, well, I mean, I went on Easter, right? I was there. I participated, sort of. I'll go back around Christmas time. We'll have Christmas service. I'll participate, sort of. I'll, I'll be in the seat. But, but, but Pastor, you, you don't understand. Our schedules are really busy, okay? Like, like, you just don't understand all that we're dealing with in life. Oh, yeah, I do. Got three kids, all right? The rest of our family lives three hours away. The only way we get to spend Easter Sunday with them is if they come down to see us. I understand how busy it is. I do. But do you know who makes my schedule? Me and my wife. You know who makes your schedule? You. You can schedule yourself to be over there. Or you can schedule yourself to be in the vine. Jesus is the vine. If you want life, you need to be here. Not just present, but a part of this church community. You need church. You need other believers. You need other branches so that they can show you the fruit that they're bearing. So you can bear fruit. So you can abide in Jesus. So that when you feel like, I just don't think Jesus is with me right now, all of a sudden you look and see the other branches and go, Jesus hadn't gone anywhere because all the other branches are bearing fruit. And if enough of us are to leave the vine, the whole plant suffers. The whole plant suffers. Sunday after Sunday when we're done with worship, I say thank you for being here. When you come and worship, you add something to this service that nobody else can add. I mean every word of it. I mean every word of it. We need Colton Sims here. Not just because he plays the drums, but even if he doesn't play the drums... He adds something that nobody else can add. We need Ben Moore here because Ben adds something to this worship service that nobody else adds when he's here. And when he's gone, we suffer as a whole group, as a whole church. And right now the world has gone absolutely bonkers, crazy. And nobody trusts anybody. And everybody's in some sort of political argument. And everybody's just confused and distrusting. Let me tell you the one place you can find trust and hope and life. It's in a Jesus community.
you're supposed to be able to find it in a church. Connected to the vine like all the other branches. And folks, I don't know what happens to us. I don't know what happens to me. I'm just as quick to cut myself off from that branch and pretend to plan a sermon on my own. Pretend like I can walk through this life on my own. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know what, been at this for a few years now. Maybe I won't pray quite as much and ask for Jesus' help. I think I got it. Pride comes before the fall. Folks, he's a vine. It's a good thing he's a vine. And the analogy continues even further. Because Jesus doesn't just call himself the vine. He uses some other really cool language around this. Turn with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, in verse 23 through 26, Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. This is even before he says that he's divine. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Just hold tight. Jesus knows what he's about to say to the disciples in three chapters. He knows that he's going to say he is the true vine. So he starts talking about the grains of wheat and he's talking about little seeds that go in the ground. If you put this seed in the ground and it doesn't die, you get no fruit. Jesus had to go in the ground and had to die so that you and I could bear much fruit. He's building an analogy, playing the long game, setting them up from John chapter 12 all the way to John chapter 15. It's a big deal that he says he's divine because he's divine. We are the branches. He buried himself into the ground like a tiny little seed. And because the seed died and he was resurrected in a new glorified body. And because the Holy Spirit came and now can dwell in anyone who believes in him, we can bear much fruit. Jesus was just like a seed planted in the ground. He was just like Jonah in the belly of that well. Folks, Jesus is divine. And he died as a seed dies so that much fruit could be born. That much fruit is us. That much fruit is you. But he goes another step further. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says in verse 42. Jump on down to verse 42 for me, Grant. I'm sorry. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown like a seed is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Not only did Jesus go into the grave and be planted like a seed that was destroyed and then he grew to be the true vine that we might bear fruit, but he did it as an example to show us what happens to us when we die, when you and I die, we're buried in weakness. We struggle and we strive all through life, every day of our life. 
And then one day comes when we finally die, when we finally give up the ghost and it's over and they bury our bodies in the ground. And in the same way that they buried Jesus's body in the ground and then he rose up in a brand new glorified spiritual body that is imperishable and eternal, that nothing from this world can touch, that nothing that is tainted with sin can affect you and I know because of Resurrection Sunday, because Jesus is the true vine, we know that when we die, if we we believe in him. There will come a day where we will be resurrected the same way that he was resurrected. Our old, frail, weak bodies that easily get overweight, that easily get worn out, that easily get sore and tired and sick and run down. Our stresses and our worries and our anxieties that weigh upon us and make us weak, they will all be gone because we will be resurrected like the Lord Jesus Christ. We will have a spiritual body that is imperishable. That means it will not perish. That means it lasts forever. And if you want life that lasts forever, you better be attached to the vine. That's it this morning. Are you attached to the vine? Do you want to be resurrected in an imperishable body? Do you want life True life that is satisfying. You may never be healthy, wealthy, famous, wise, but you will have life. But that life is only available if we will connect ourselves or allow ourselves to be connected to the vine, to the stem, to the roots and remain. How do we know if we remain? It's just that last word that he said. They'll know. The world will know. You'll know each other. You know you're in me if you obey my commands. These things I command you so that you love one another. You want to see somebody connected to the vine? Find somebody in church loving somebody else. Not doing it because it's easy. I'm not easy to love. You know how I know my wife loves Jesus? Because she loves even me. And that's a big order. If you want to be abiding, remaining, staying in Christ, attached to the vine, love one another. Follow his commands. Stay on the vine. This morning, are you attached? Are you connected to the vine? Or have you tried to separate yourself out and you're sitting over there on your own? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that We have a true vine that is our spiritual life. Thank you, Lord, that there is hope, that there is resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for loving us in spite of ourselves. Father, we have a tendency, I have a tendency, Lord, to try and separate myself from the life that you give. Lord, I I pray that you would help us to repent. I pray that you would draw us unto yourself. That we might be connected to one another and connected to you through your church. Lord, I ask that if there's anyone here this morning that's not connected to you, that has not surrendered their life to you, that's muddling through life without understanding 
how satisfying it is to be your child, to be able to be called your friend. Oh, Father, would you move on their heart right now that they might trust in you and surrender to you and be connected for all eternity to the true vine. Lord, we love you so very much. We thank you for Resurrection Sunday. We ask that in the moments to come, you would move among us, that we might respond in obedience. We ask all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.